This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, it is Cinco de Mayo when this episode is released. Are you a margarita person? I love margaritas and tequila, yes. Probably my favorite uh, alcohol. Do you do the salt rim or anything with, with the, the, the cup? Uh, always salt rim, yeah. I, I think some people have done the sugar rim. And yep. uh, no, nah, I'm, I'm intimidated by it. I like a salt rim. Lime, <laughs> stupid normal lime on the rocks, margarita with a salt rim, Whoa. but it's great. <laughs> Whoa, what what a combo! Oh, you do frozen? Uh, yeah, frozen all the time. I can't do, and I'm strawberry margarita I, person. Oh, I am. Uh, my my brain is easily frozen. I have weak. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to call that. <laughs> weak defenses against the brain freeze. So. Uh, I can't do, I mean, I could do frozen. There'll just come a point where I am like staring at my drink, not drinking it, not like inebriated, just, oh my God, this brain freeze sucks. <laughs> yeah. Usually like I'm something not... hot might help that, but uh, yeah. I don't always, you know, food's not always there. Yeah. I took a, you know, I took a half day off work. It's going to be beautiful in Cincinnati. Going to go to Bakersfield. I'm not sure if you've ever been there. It's an OTR. Nope. Oh, you need to go. They have pitcher margaritas. It's always a good time. So yes, it's margarita season. It's also off-season workout season. It's sign a backup quarterback season for the Cincinnati Bengals. On the same exact day, pretty much an hour between the announcement, Brandon Allen's going to the 49ers. I felt like there was a possibility Brandon Allen would come back to Cincinnati, but it really did sound like the Cincinnati Bengals wanted to upgrade their backup quarterback position. There were reports that they wanted to meet with Cooper Rush. I think there was an airplane delay, and that's the reason why he stayed with the Cowboys. They had another offer. He stayed in Dallas. They had other quarterbacks in for the backup quarterback position. Maybe if the draft would have fell a certain way late in the rounds, they would have picked up one in the draft, but they obviously waited until draft weekend was over. Trevor Simeon was in last weekend and they made it official trevor simeon is the backup quarterback what do you make of that sure that's <laughs> about it yeah i don't know i think some people are really making this out to be a lot more than it is to me i mean i don't even know if i it's not a tier upgrade it's still a, a you know long-term backup quarterback i think some people might underrate brandon allen a tiny bit um He's not the worst backup in the league. I don't think Simeon is either. I just like what I heard it is you know, still hoping Burrow doesn't get hurt. It's not like yes. you signed Bridgewater or something. You just, you know, long-term backup, a guy that plays a bit like Burrow. Sure. That, I don't know. That's where I am with it. It's just like, it's not a big upgrade. If any upgrade, uh, I don't think it's a downgrade. So I don't want to say that it's different. You just hope Burrow doesn't get hurt. That's This is is what I wanted, though. I don't want like a a Teddy Bridgewater because to me, there's three types of backups. Um, You always want to play a little bit like your starter because you don't want to install a whole new offense just to get them in the game. Uh, That's why you're probably not going to see Tyler Huntley as a backup in Cincinnati. But uh, I think the first type is the what this is. It's just kind of like the almost quarterback coach uh he's like almost an assistant quarterback coach he's just you know holding the clipboard uh helping out with game day prep etc he's not gonna be highly paid you have the young backup uh usually drafting like the middle rounds that's fine too and then i always dub the the high level backup as like starter question mark it's like when you don't like your starter you get a high level backup because you might move from them uh that could work with the draft depends where it is but that's the three that's the three types of backups are sorry my dog wants to be on the camera i absolutely love this and i wish people i know we have a little clip that goes out on social media and i wish they could see this because your dog has some some thoughts on trevor sambian dropped up here and said you know what let him out wally (laughs) how do you feel wally let me move the mic for you he didn't have anything nothing to say Pretty much like you when it comes to the, the back <laughs> position. Not a whole he lot. Said, 
yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. But pretty, but that's how I feel because a lot of people when they were looking at the draft board, they're like, "Oh, get a get a backup quarterback in the sixth or seventh. And I didn't want to spend a draft pick on a quarterback. Nope. I just didn't. I mean, like a seventh, sure, but like that guy's probably not even going to be your backup. You don't feel confident enough in a guy that goes in the seventh round to be your only backup quarterback. Then do you carry three backup quarterbacks? I or well, two backup quarterbacks, three total quarterbacks. I probably wouldn't. It's not great rest, roster construction because you move on to if you have three quarterbacks, then you're going to cut an extra person from the team. And like that could be Tyson Anderson. That could be uh, oh, who is the edge defender? The Basham. That could be Basham. That could be DJ Ivy. I mean, DJ Ivy, maybe he's pushing for it. That could be, you know, all these different guys. That could be Yosivas or Stanley Morgan. I'd prefer to keep that last guy who's probably going to have a role at least on special teams compared to a third backup quarterback because I drafted a second one, but that one's not going to play. So I need a third one just in case on game days. Like, no, that's not, that's, that's where I am on the drafting a late one. And then uh, paying money for one just feels like a waste of resources too. I've, I've heard that theory. It's like, what if Burrow misses five games? That sucks. <laughs> yeah, let's don't let's don't think about that. And that and that's yeah. another thing. They're like, what if they what if they're without Burrow for a long stretch? I'm like, I don't like to think of that at all, actually. And I really think you know when Burrow's not there, it's it's not a good thing. So I, my optimism would go down drastically. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. So I think the biggest thing is that you're going to have another guy who's experienced in the quarterback room. Obviously, he's been in a quarterback room with Peyton Manning. I think another connection is the Brian Callahan, uh, familiar with him when he was with the Broncos. So, so you have that. But you know, if anybody to help Joe Burrow, fine. I think they're going to keep Jake Browning and have a three quarterback room like they did last year too. Okay. Yeah, but wasn't Jake Browning mostly on practice squad? He was mostly on the practice squad, and they um, they brought him up for the last two games because they wanted him to get his full paycheck or, mm -hmm. or the bonus pay that he was going to get for that season. So I did miss miss by then. There. By then, you've got injuries, so like it's not a big deal to have a third quarterback. Like you're not signing anybody. That's a big deal. You're yep. that's what it is, and I think that's a good move on their part. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, that is a. Uh, Backup quarterback. Fun, fun. What was, uh, you know, Brandon Allen was also on that uh, Peyton Manning, I believe. Or at least him and Brian worked together. Maybe he wasn't. No, he wasn't. It was Osweiler, Manning, and Simeon. Brandon Allen was not there. Sorry, I, I lied to the people. Okay. You could have uh, told people and they would have believed you. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's it, both Broncos. It feels like uh, Brian Callahan is winning the bringing in the backup quarterback rather than um, Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor has not brought in like uh, John no. Wolford. I don't know if they work together, but one of those types. Blake Bortles has not walked through that door. Uh, it's, it's all been former Broncos. I wonder what they'll do if they have to move on from you know, you're running out of guys. I don't think Osweiler can come through. <laughs> so if they have to go to another backup quarterback next year, I wonder who, I don't know. The, Callahan was with the Raiders one year. I wonder who the backup was for that year. I mean, Brian Callahan, I don't think he'll be here next year to be the following year after that. Do you, I mean, do you think, it, it, I guess it depends on the season, how it goes for, for the assistants, but it just feels like the last year that this whole crew is going to be together, to be honest. I have maintained the idea that I think Lou Anarumo's job candidacy is smaller than the people think. And that stinks because he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. But when you look at what they want, they want young, hot offensive minds. And what is he? He's an old defensive mind, a great one. But mm -hmm. they want, you know, everybody wants their own Zach Taylor, their own Mike McDaniel, all of these guys that step in and can make a big impact. Brian Dable, uh, they don't, they're not clamoring for the defensive guys. And you can look at this past cycle, the only defensive guys I can think of were D'Amico Ryans, who was, I still think, the best defensive candidate just because of the age and prolonged success. And then the other one was the Eagles guy. And that almost felt like uh, they were going to do that from the start. Uh, I'm not sure people loved that move in the first place. <laughs> Eagles fans uh, did. They loved yeah, it. That, that's, 
you know, that's not a good sign. But uh, doesn't he have some – he has some relationship with the Cardinals owner or GM or something. Um, and that's that was a big play into it. That's why even though Lou was like the second guy for that job, it just felt like one of those – fake job postings i don't know if you've ever dealt with this it's like a job posting yes well yeah it's a job posting they have a guy that they're gonna hire but they have to post the job (laughs) and then oh here i am i'm gonna apply and you're really qualified and then you get in there it's just basically like we we have a guy we we do it was hr we had to do it for hr reasons we had to interview you i mean that was all we had to do and uh yeah but for lou i honestly think that you know he dodged a bullet yeah. by going to the Cardinals. But at the same time, you bring up a really great point. I actually thought about this. And maybe it's me just hoping that he stays in Cincinnati longer than the 2023 season because, you know, and I, I want him to get opportunities. I really do. But if they do go the younger route for some of these offensive minds and Lou has a chance to stay in Cincinnati just a tad bit longer, I think of, wow, I'm so glad the Bengals went defense the first round. The second round, they got Lou some more guys. He has a talented defense. They're like, hey, Lou, we're going to load up on defense now that we're going to be paying these offensive players. Don't you want to stick around a little bit longer? Um, so I'm, I'm kind of hoping that he stays here. I do want the opportunities for him because he's a, a great defensive coordinator and he deserves a head coaching job. It's honestly just a missed opportunity for a lot of teams that aren't taking chances on Lou. Uh, but it's kind of incredible to think about, you know, I said it the other day, you get Brian Callahan, you get Lou Anarumo, you get your quarterback coach, you get the wide receiver coach, Troy Walters, which we we talked about him the other day on the podcast when we talked about the wide receiver room. And it just feels so underrated to bring those guys back. And um, I don't know, it's kind of, kind of exciting to think about when you think about the 2023 season. Speaking of coming back, we've already mentioned Jonah Williams, but I thought this was a little interesting from um, Albert Albert Breer, who he has a connection with the Cincinnati Bengals front office. And he had a piece because someone asked about Jonah Williams or the Cincinnati Bengals still shipping Jonah Williams. It felt like, you know, if he was going to be on the squad after the draft, that he would more than likely stay. I know injuries can happen. Things can change where another team could need Jonah Williams. But uh, he says as of now, he's just rehabbing in California. And he said when it gets to the um, he's he's actually hoping to be fully cleared for the actual full contact work. He's certainly expecting to be back in Cincinnati for the mandatory stuff. And that's uh, the mandatory mini camp that's going to be happening in a few weeks and then obviously training camp. So it sounds like Jonah is going to be back for that, which, you know, him to be back for from mandatory mini camp, I think, is, um, you know, a. Uh, it's positive. I know how people feel about Jonah Williams, but I think that you get Jonah Williams on your offensive line or at least another guy who can um, be in competition for the right tackle. It's always good news. And it felt like, you know, what's happening behind the scenes with him and the Bengals, it seems encouraging that, you know, maybe the open communication and they've, they've talked about kind of what Jonah was frustrated with. So yeah. optimistic. You know, they weren't moving him. <laughs> after, uh, I think it was after the third round, you could just kind of go, well, they're not moving him this draft. <laughs> uh, you could lock that in. Even though there are probably teams that would have offered a fourth or fifth, they just, they want to recoup as much value as they see in him. They're not going to sell pennies on the dollar. Partially because I think, you know, they think that they can get him to start at right tackle. And we'll see. Mm-hmm. We kind of assumed he might go for that position that is always possible he says i'm not switching i'm a left tackle and then just rides the bench unless orlando gets hurt but at the same time why wouldn't you at least try for that he's fighting me sorry well he has thoughts on the offensive line too i mean (laughs) he's coming back up uh his little curly tail got stuck on a wire so i was trying to get it i think that's what made him weird anyway um yeah so I think that why wouldn't you compete for the right tackle job? It doesn't seem like teams really value you that much at left tackle. If they're not willing to send all a, you know, day two pick, you might want to just show what you can do at right tackle too. And it stinks because, and he wants to be a left tackle. You look at the paid disparity between right and left tackle. And I get it. It's just how many teams are interested in you at left tackle specifically and nowhere else. You think the pay, I mean, look over at the Kansas City Chiefs. They could be paying. Wow, that was an accident. Right tackle. (laughs) (laughs) They paid right tackle and they had voluntary workouts and went, whoops. (laughs) They saw them try to set to the left side and they went, This isn't going to work. What else we got out here? 
awesome. They did not mean for him to play right tackle. I always thought that was a crazy decision in the first place to pay $20 million for a guy that's going to flip to left tackle. Hey, congrats to Juwan Taylor and his agent to get 20 million. And now he's got to be pushing top three right tackle money. Like I think Lane Johnson and Ryan Ramchick, maybe Ramchick, I'm not even sure, are ahead of him. Uh, that, you know, credit to him for selling that this guy could switch to left tackle. And then <laughs> they go through voluntaries and go, eh, what's on the market for left? <laughs> we might want to flip. Now they are paying more for Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor than uh, I believe they would have if it was just Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley. I said, I'll always remember the days when 12 million was a lot of money for right tackle, the conversation we've been having for so long. And then uh, they have that situation going on in Kansas City to be determined on how that turns out for them. Uh, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to what Orlando Brown looks like at left tackle. And then I love competition at right tackle. Look, get the best guys out there. That's what's going to happen in Cincinnati. If they don't feel like Jonah Williams is the right fit at right tackle, then Jonah Williams will still be on the roster and he'll be a depth piece. That's just what's going to happen if they can't move him. Um, and I'm okay with having depth when I watch that AFC championship game when you're down three offense alignment. Uh, but next we'll get to some of your mailbag questions over on Twitter on it's always game day in Cincinnati. This is it's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. A little disappointed in the Twitter response today. I put this out early. It gives you time to ask your questions. Make sure you're following along. Bengals underscore Sants at LNDS Patterson. But there are a few questions. Uh, we got the German Tiger. He says, with all the hype about the battle, about battle and DJ Turner, how realistic is it for both of them to see the field much? And how, with Lou, with how Lou treats DBs. I should have read your question out loud in my head before I read it when we recorded. I apologize. So with, you know, what we kind of heard about Cam Taylor Britt right before Cam Taylor Britt started to see the field as a starter. I know Lou talked to the media and he just kind of said, like, I'm not trying to throw guys out there. I'm not trying to throw rookies out there in the cornerback room or even the secondary. And now he's in a situation where you do have battle. You do have DJ Turner. How realistic is it for them to see the field? And we're going to talk a little more about this in our next segment, too. I do think if DJ Turner sees the field is probably because Cheeto isn't ready uh, from the injury. I don't, I don't know if I see another way <sighs> game plan specific. If there's like a really fast slot receiver, maybe you take Hilton off Turner on, but man, that's like, I think the corners are set when they're healthy. The corners are set. It's Cheeto, Cam Taylor Britt and Mike Hilton. I would be surprised if DJ Turner pushes one of those guys out. Battle, he could push out Nick Scott or even Dax Hill. I think that's more likely, but I'd still bet on the other two being the starters. And then certain packages has a Jordan Battle in it, a dime, a big dime package, uh, maybe even a big nickel. Just, you know, you're going to get another safety on the field and you're going to take somebody off. Who are you taking off? You play around with that. But I. I, I can't put a percentage, I guess, on DJ Turner because come, someone comes down to Cheeto. I think it's fairly low for battle, but I'm not – I don't want to say it's it's not possible. I want to – or even – I guess I'd say unlikely, but certainly possible. Certainly possible that Jordan Battle is starting early on. Now, injuries will always play a part in this as you get through the season and maybe somebody doesn't perform up to snuff. And that's why one of these guys gets on the field. But my guess is Lou takes it slow and these guys are your future starters. And right now they're, you know, the backups for those positions. Yeah, we'll get into more of that in our next segment. Dean says, I actually like this question. He says, what could the offense do better besides fix the O-line to keep Burrow better protected? Yeah, I think they could protect better. That's always a question mark with this team, it feels like. And they have, on paper, just like last year, almost, I think some people are forgetting that, um, they have on paper the best offensive line they've had in years. Last year was the same exact thing because Lyle Collins was seen as a fringe top five right tackle, and I don't think people see that anymore. But uh, you know, hopefully he can come back to that when he comes back uh, from his injury. I think explosive plays are big. I think an underrated one is tight end blocking. And I don't know if they're going to get 
too much better this year, but tight end blocking killed a lot of run plays. Uh, I would think those two things are, are two big ones is just generating explosive plays somehow. And it's kind of tied into it a little bit uh, in blocking from your tight end position because they had plays that look good in the run game. And then just the tight end just gets dominated at the point of attack and doesn't make the block. And now you're not getting an explosive play. You're getting either a negative gain or you're pushing for like two, three yards. I think the run game was good and short was pretty good in short yardage. Not always, but I think it was there and they were great at grinding it out, getting five yards, being efficient and staying ahead of the chains. What they were missing were the explosive plays. And that's why you add a chase Brown into your, uh, running back room. Also just getting explosive plays from throws underneath as well. And that could be a chase Brown thing that could just be Jamar chase is healthy all year thing. Cause that's his job out of all these guys. Um, maybe it could even be a little bit Charlie Jones or somebody like that. I think those are all the things I'm thinking of with the offense, because other than that, they, they really strung together drives. Well, they grinded out long drives. I thought it was a, really good offense is just, you know, a couple things here and there. Do you have anything else? Yeah, I I actually just kind of want to follow up with that because you talk about the run game, the explosive play with Chase Brown. I'm going to get into this free agent question next because I think it's a, it's a really good one when you think about the available guys, because it does feel like another set of free agency around for a lot of NFL teams, because a lot of teams are going to get their roster cut and they're going to let go of some guys to fit some other um, pieces that they were able to draft or other depth pieces on their roster. Could you see this team adding somebody else in the running back room? Yes, but I don't think I could see it. I wouldn't predict it. I think they are fine with who they have. But at the same time, if you can get a Zeke cheap, you're currently banking on your pass protection back, either being a rookie or being a guy that hasn't done it in the NFL, in Travion Williams. He was good in college, and it seems like they are high on it and higher than I thought they would be on his ability to pass protect based off what they've done. But at the same time, if you can get Zeke, who's one of the best pass protection backs in the league, into that backfield – now you're cooking and you have a guy that you know can do it. Um, anybody else? I mean, offensively, I don't know if there's anything else they would add, right? Uh, but what in the running McKinnon? back room, he got signed. Where? When did I miss this? The Chiefs re-signed him. Today? Uh, I think it was yesterday, but yeah. Oh, I don't know how I missed that, but that is so predictable for them to bring him back. I'm sure. On a I wish the Bengals were in. I just... I guess they're not because that just felt like such the pass protection, explosive plays. He's still very fast, kind of low mileage um, for being older like that injured. Yes, but not a ton of, you know, touches. So, man, I was so in on McKinnon, but I knew the Bengals weren't in after not making any type of not having any type of contact with him. I was just, it's what I would do. It's not what they would do. Well, then I'm going to stick with, not to go over to the Chiefs running back room, but I'm going to stick with it. I know a lot of people want to remember the 2019 LSU team and they want all the players to be on the Cincinnati Bengals. What about Clyde? What if he gets released? No, just doesn't have it. I don't think he's a good NFL running back. I think people, people saw what happened in 2019 with the LSU team. When he's faced NFL defenses, he's been... There's a reason he got replaced by a seventh round rookie and a guy that was a depth piece. I don't think this is, he's not somebody you're just going to, you talk, you're telling me that a guy, Andy Reed couldn't figure out is going to come into Cincinnati and be a stud. No, I don't see it. He's like a four, seven running back. Who's a pass catcher. Doesn't run well. Uh, And he didn't run well from the gun either. It's just, I've had so I think Bengals fans are very excited about the idea of that. I think it's just barely better than like Thad Moss. I think he's not really Whoa. I think he's a depth running back. I don't know. I thought it was a mistake he went in the first round. It's just I oh, am yeah. not a Clyde Edwards Hilaire fan. And this rant means he will be signed within the month. Uh, and I will have to eat crow. At least I haven't tweeted it out. <laughs> yeah, I, never, I mean, people remember that stuff. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's a vision that it's the 2019 team and, oh, you can bring that here and Clyde can have another 
um, NFL career if he's with the Bengals and Joe Burrow again. And one thing I will say Clyde is good at, he's good at post-game um, um, interaction. I remember when he went to congratulate Jamar Chase after the AFC Championship game, had a really good speech for him. So I'll always remember Clyde for that. But on the field, not so much. And it just yeah. it feels like it didn't work out. And they didn't pick up his fifth year option, which which makes all the sense in the world. All the sense it. in the world. Um, I wonder if having the uh, voted on best offensive line in college football and all those receivers and a stud quarterback may have helped him in college produce at the level that got him drafted in the first round. But I guess we'll never find out. We won't. And yeah, he's going to be on the Cincinnati Bengals in a matter of time. He sure um, will. At least for uh, on the practice squad or something. You know, they kept Thad Moss around for a while. You know what? Just like Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow is good at getting guys paid and on a team. So, um, you know, it's, it's good. So it'll go from uh, what Patrick said, I want Clyde. <laughs> no, it's Burrow saying, I want Clyde. He just gets passed around from elite quarterback to elite He's quarterback. He's like, I'm going to do a favor for my friend. Come on and join us. We might put you on the practice squad, but uh, we'll get you paid. Do the people that really want him, like, are you well, cutting Travion Williams for him? No, I would rather have Travion. Me too. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Yeah, it's it's honestly there's it's just I it's it's rarely there. It's just a little communication of oh well maybe Clyde could come to Cincinnati and have another career. I don't know, but I yeah I just don't see it happening, and um, that's unfortunate for him. Bengals watch party says we'll stick to the free agent conversation. You already talked about the running back room, so we'll go to other position groups. He says, what available free agents do you think could be an upgrade on our roster? Ooh. I mentioned Zeke, um, and that would be a pass protection running back upgrade. There's not a ton, though. I mean, maybe cut down days you could find somebody. Maybe uh, it's tough because I there's guys I like. I don't see how they fit, though, because I was in on Melvin Ingram as a pass rushing specialist. But once you draft Miles Murphy, I feel like that's out the window. Like it, mm-hmm. you, Now you're going to have to make a hard cut if you want to add Ingram and maybe it's worth it for a Super Bowl contender, but I don't know. Um, I haven't looked, maybe there's a depth offensive line piece out there that might be better than what they're trying to, trying to put out there as backups, but I don't think you're going to find a starter out there at uh, offensive tackle or guard or wait, is Dalton Risner still out there? Yeah, I was just about yeah. to, and that was that part might of the be, Yeah, that might be your, but I don't think they do it. I just they're 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 gonna give Volsa another year, guys. I mean, they did it with Michael Jordan and Billy Price, you know, uh, guys that played bad. And Volson played fine. He's gonna yeah. get another year. They're not gonna push him to backup unless one of these depth pieces just balls out in preseason or something. Or even then, I don't know if it would happen. Let me ask you this, and it's kind of along the lines of Cordell Volson. A guy that you watched last year, doesn't have to be a rookie, could be their first time with the Cincinnati Bengals, that you watched, they were okay, but you expect them to, and it doesn't have to be Cordell, it could be anybody at other position, it could be Dax Hill or or anyone on offense or defense, who had an okay year one with the Bengals, but will have a great year two. Ooh, I think Dax Hill will certainly improve, but that is also, when he played, it wasn't great, but he was also playing a bunch of different positions. Um. Yeah, uh, Dax Hill or Cam Taylor would probably be my answer. Which the first or second round pick? What a shocker! <laughs> um, but I think a sneaky one could be Evan McPherson. Well, yeah. year three—that's year three. Yeah, year three. That's you fine. said you said year two. I, I can say year awesome three. rookie, awesome rookie year. Okay, second year, like it wasn't great it wasn't bad but it wasn't great i think he could bounce back um but yeah i guess i'll go dax hill on that i think i think he'll be at least uh by the end of the year i think he'll be solid pretty good here's the thing evan mcpherson and i hope this happens he's gonna ball out next year as a kicker can and um, it's a contract. They can start having the contract conversations. So his extension would be next year with Jamar Chases. And kickers are getting paid right now. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens there if they just kind of wait going into his or, or let him go to a contract here. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't even want to worry about that right now. There's too many other numbers that they're working on offensively. We'll get the special teams when they have to. 
but yeah, I, I kind of I'm leaning towards because I felt like I was a little hard on him in, on social media. And I didn't mean to be at all um, when the offseason started when it comes to Cordell Volson. I just felt like, you know, he can play better. And, and, and I hope he plays better at the guard position. Um, it could be depending on what right tackle looks like. And, and I hope Orlando Brown ends up being, uh, you know, a really good left tackle, but he could still be the the weakest piece of the offensive line. And I hope he's better. I hope it's just enough because if you're able to get a guy who you're paying, you know, semi cheap money to in the guard position, that's a huge benefit for the rest of this team and this offensive line and, and, and offense and the defensive guys who um, are up for contracts. If Cordell Volson can pan out at the guard position. So we'll see what happens there, but I'll go to one more question and then we'll take a few more of these in our third segment. Nick says, if you say a team's draft is a boost for special teams, it might be, it, it's, he says, but the but could the Bengals draft Jones, Robbins in particular, actually really give them, them a significant improvement in special teams? How much of an impact could they make next year? Oh my gosh, I butchered your question, Nick. That was a paragraph, but I get what you're saying. Can they really boost the special teams, the guys they were able to draft during uh, the NFL draft? If Robbins is what they think he is, then already, yes. Um, even if he's not... If, he, if he's just at or a little above Drew Chrisman level, you could still get the boost from Charlie Jones being a more explosive return man than Trent Taylor was. I think, yeah, this draft should be a boost for the special teams. That's not, that's hopefully not all it is, but I do think it's a boost for the special teams because you're getting, at least in college, an explosive return guy, and you're also going to get a I have to think a punter upgrade. If you're going to spend a draft pick on him, he better be an upgrade. Yeah, I I know you're not doing your piece on him yet, but I just, I just think it's a huge pick. I really do. He's a weapon. Their special teams wasn't good enough last year, and for everything that happened to them during you know times when it matters, I didn't even think about it. The Patriots game can be one that we look back on when it comes to punter troubles. The AFC Championship game is obviously an easy one, and they have to be better there. I don't want them to ever punt. I like just scoring, uh, but when you have to, hopefully you have a weapon in your special teams, and, and hopefully he pans out because like you mentioned, they, they spent a draft pick on him in the sixth round. We'll get to a few more of these questions and some more on the rookie class next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. A few more of your Twitter questions. Make sure you're following along at Bengals underscore Sand. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. We're going to go to Goose. He said, who do you see on the current roster as the favorites to win the interior O-line spots? Our depth across the entire O-line is concerning, but are we looking at Trey Smith as our center if Karras goes down? Trey Hill. I wish it was Trey Smith. Trey Trey Hill. <laughs> Trey, um, I read it. I read it just off Twitter. I'm having a hard Twitter reading day today, but it is Trey Hill. But it said Trey Smith, and I apologize. Ah, man, I feel like if they were going to make a change at center, it would have been late in the or backup center. It would have been late in the draft. I don't know if I see them going out and signing a guy. I think what you're hoping for, if you don't want Trey Hill to be your backup center, which. I don't know. Maybe he's improving. Who knows? Uh, we haven't seen him. That's great. Well, uh, did no, we see him? No. I Did we see him? In the Panthers game? 20... That's the only one I can think of. I oh, we did see him for a game against the Lions last yeah. uh, two years ago. I don't think it was a disaster. I thought it was whatever, but <laughs> I don't think it was, you know, yeah. that bad. Um, yeah. If, if you're rooting for a different backup center, you're probably rooting for Ben Brown, who was an undrafted free agent last year, to, and he was injured all of this past season. You're hoping for him to step in and take that, take that job. I thought they would be interested in it in the draft, but maybe they are just higher on Trey Hill than we think. I don't, I don't think we know much about Trey Hill is really the thing, and maybe that's uh, – I think most people assume it's not a good thing. Maybe it is fine though. Maybe it is kind of a good, like he's gotten better. Maybe it's probably too optimistic to think all this, but maybe he has gotten a little better. Maybe he has, you know, developed into a low end starting or high end backup center. Who knows? Cause we just, we haven't seen him. 
And other than preseason, I guess if, but I'm not judging anybody by preseason. Jamar Chase had a terrible preseason. I remember <laughs> thinking it was one of the worst preseasons I've seen for a first round pick. It was worried. And then first game, you know, he's awesome. And they put all that to bed. But uh, yeah, that is uh backup center is interesting. I thought they'd go for one in the draft, but maybe they feel good about Ben Brown. Maybe they feel good about Trey Hill. Who knows? Maybe it just didn't happen for them. They didn't like the centers that did fall and they liked the centers that got taken early. Who do you think the odd man out is on the offensive line right now? Um, Deontay Smith, sadly. Yeah, the I think 20, so. The 2021 preseason will forever live in my memory, but he hasn't really shown enough in his extra tackle and, and other appearances. Now, I think that would make fans upset if Deontay is cut and Adenji is kept, but I think that could be very likely. I think so too, because that was going to be my follow-up question. The thing about Hakeem, he's had to step up in a lot of big moments. Um, you know, you think about the Super Bowl year, even last year, and I was holding out hope. And I know it was only like five minutes into the game, but he was uh, starting for the Bills game. And I was like, all right, Hakeem. All right. It was the Monday night football game in regular season. And I thought maybe he can, he can get them there. It's going to be, you know, we still have a few more games in regular season, still have the playoffs, and if they make it to the Super Bowl, can Hakeem just be there until their um, Jonah Williams is back or, or they have a healthy offensive line, and then it just didn't work out. What do, what do you think of Hakeem Adenogy? Do you still have hope that Frank Pollock and this offensive line staff can work with him and he can still be that swing depth piece tackle? I thought Hakeem was fine in the Patriots game. And then I thought he was doing pretty good in that Bills game before the unfortunate um, injury. Mm -hmm. And then he was even not bad in the last regular season game against the Ravens. And then the playoffs, he kind of stunk it up a little bit. Although he wasn't that bad in, in the Bills game. He was every piece in the offensive line was playing at a, pretty decent level in that game they they dominated the trenches but um yeah i i feel like there was some promise there especially early into his stint there after collins's injury it's just i think the people obviously have the memory of him at guard in the 2021 playoffs and throughout that season and then you know he was maybe the i don't know if he was the worst i feel like sharping might have been worse than that uh AFC championship game, but one of the worst members of the offensive line in a game where everybody on the offensive line got smoked. So uh, that is, I think, sticking in people's memories. But in my mind, I think that I'm not as down on him as a lot of people. That's just, I, I don't know how much better he's going to get. We're in year th four, three. Yeah. He's, he might just be what he is, but I do think, he can come in and even in the game, Jonah got hurt and came back after halftime. I thought he was even fine there. Like during the time between his injury and halftime, I thought he played okay. And I just think Bengals fans are really down on him, but he seems like okay depth. He can play for a game, mm -hmm. maybe two games. It's after that where it becomes real dicey to start him. So you don't want that, but that feels like what you might want out of, especially like a fourth tackle could even be a fifth tackle. You're looking at Brown Collins, Jonah Carmen, and he's probably the fifth guy, but he's the only one that, you know, as a backup can also play right tackle. I think that is probably a little scary to hear for Bengals fans, but it is possible that your week one starter is Hakeem Adenogy because Jonah Williams doesn't transition well and Carmen doesn't transition well. And you know, Hakeem can at least give you not abysmal uh, snaps at right tackle. Hopefully at least I guess in the chiefs game that they were kind of abysmal snaps, but more often than not, it may have just been regular bad. <laughs> well, it's kind of crazy because he was drafted and everyone says you really can't, Great a draft until like three to four years later. Was he, he was a seventh round pick? He was the he was picked at 180th in the sixth round. But if okay. you think about that draft class, you get Joe Burrow, you get T. Higgins, you get Logan Wilson, uh, Akeem Davis Gaither, Marcus okay. Bailey, uh, Hakeem Adenogy, and Khalid Kareem. And yeah, and that's their draft. 
Which honestly, if someone were to tell you you were going to hit on about five and maybe a half of those picks, you'd say every single day of the week. Let me. Yeah. Well, okay. So what would you grade Hakeem Adeniji three years later as a sixth round pick? If they would have won the Super Bowl, B minus. <laughs> B. I mean, I would say C plus. Yeah, I'm at like a B minus. Like this is sixth round. You're what right. You You're, we were so hard on Akeem Adeniji. We were so hard on him, and he he's had to step up in very big moments, um, unfortunately. And I agree with you. I think you have him as your swing tackle. They've had to see Hakeem in big moments. He doesn't have to be the the swing tackle. I don't I don't know if I want him to full on be the third tackle, but as your yeah, fourth tackle while Collins is recovering, maybe your fourth tackle in general, maybe your fifth tackle, and he's probably inactive on game days. But I, and maybe he maybe he is just there until Collins gets healthy, and then he's back. He's cut, and if he makes it through waivers to the practice squad or something. But I don't I don't think the coaching staff is as down on him as the fans are. I agree with you. I will always remember Dave Lapham saying draft weekend, he felt like, you know, Hakeem is going to be such a great piece on this offensive line. It hasn't worked out all the way, but the supporting cast around him wasn't really helpful in 2020. Um, and obviously I felt like, and I don't think he gets enough credit. I thought 2022's offensive line from last year towards the mid to late end of the season. I'm like, okay, this is legit. This is good. This works. This is, this is what's helping this team get this current win streak that they're on and everything seemed to be going okay with it until they got to the injuries. And I feel like that offensive line would have been able to, just because we saw what the Super Bowl field looked like would have been able to kind of go against Philly's front. Just because yeah. it looked like they were playing on a, and Philly like, was falling down left and right. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I was just gonna say, I think you're 100 correct. Yeah, I know. I get the. Uh, some people think I'm too easy on Frank, but I don't know of too many coaches, run game coordinators. They're going to abandon everything they've ever come up with. Wide zone. He's from the Alex Gibbs, the father of the wide zone offensive line coach and Gary Kubiak. That was his first job was under Gary Kubiak and Alex Gibbs, two thirds of the wide zone um, Broncos hive mind. And that has been his thing his entire career. And he just sees the guys that he wants and, or at least that he got in free agency and starting on this offensive line. And went, what I love is not going to work. And I'm going to have to get an entire new system in there to make this offense work. And he did it. And he did it really effectively. I understand the offensive line wasn't gelling early on, but man, I think you can't understate that. Yeah, you can't overstate what he did there. It's just that is so difficult. Um, Not just changing a wrinkle here or there, completely changing what you do as a run game. And they became very efficient. They just didn't have the explosive plays. And hopefully that's what they're working on now. You mentioned Lyle Collins. And I think that's worth a topic of discussion because, you know, you get the how people feel about Jonah Williams. He's making $12 million. He wasn't good enough at left tackle. We don't even know what he's going to look like at right tackle. I've said it before. The Bengals are going to put the best players available. But Lyle Collins, I don't expect him to be ready early on in the season and they'll put him on the pup list. And that's totally fine. Um, But what do you do in the Lyle Collins situation to say that Jonah is just playing? Okay. It's nothing great. And I wouldn't even say it's average at right tackle, but they're getting by. You can still tell it's kind of a weak link during the season and Lyle can finally come back. He's been cleared at practice. What does that look like for the offensive line? Do you say, you know what? Lyle is going to be healthy because last year he was dealing with the back injury, then the ACL. And it sounded like it was a bad ACL tear, um, three tears, which, doesn't sound great for an offensive lineman or any human being uh, coming back from that. And he's going to be coming back from that recovery, but feels great. And, you know, those ACL injuries happen all the time in the NFL and players can come back and play. How do you feel about saying Lyle's cleared? Jonah's he's, he's enough, but not good enough at right tackle. What do you do in that situation? I'm glad I'm not on the coaching staff. Is my first thought. Uh, Yeah, I, they will know better than we will about how they should feel because they're going to see these guys in practice. Maybe that is, that's a scenario you could make the switch. I think if Jonah or Carmen 
or identity somehow is playing at an average level, you don't make the switch. You just like, well, that's your guy until he shows a reason not to be. If they are just below average, maybe think Jonah's past season. You could you could be you could push to make the switch. You just really got to work Lyle out and see like we got to see if you're still healthy. If you're where you know line Trey Hendrickson up and bull rush him and see if he can hold for more than two and a half seconds. Like he kept falling down last year or diving or whatever. You know, just line your guys up and tell them like don't take it easy. You know, like let's let's see if he can do this. Because he's going to be facing T.J. Watt. He's going to be facing, uh, well, I guess not Micah Parsons this year, but uh, probably not Nick Bose. I'm trying to think of other guys that line up over on that side and rush the passer, but he's going to be facing T.J. Watt. You know, uh, if I can't think of another one, it's all right. <laughs> um, yeah, explosive people. It's going to be explosive guys. I, I you know, uh, maybe they move Von Miller that side. Who knows? But there's there's a lot of guys that are going to possibly give you trouble. So you have to see that it, you know, it's good. He's good. He's ready to go. And if he's truly ready to go and he's better than he was last season, throw him in there. It's tough. I think the really tough part is when you think of this less as like a Madden type thing and more as people. If you take Jonah Williams, who's playing at just a below average level and bench him. And then Collins goes in there and does worse. Oh man, that's such a tough conversation to have about like, okay, well, we want to send you back out there. I know we benched you, but um, uh, well, we were wrong. And that is this tough, especially because that relationship already a little, a little, a little, a little fracture in it. Uh, that might make it worse. So there's, when you think about the ego, the personality, and just that these guys are real people that, are going to have emotions involved with everything. That's where that gets a little bit more difficult, I think, because if you make the Collins decision, I'm not saying it's permanent, but I am saying that it's going to be difficult. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty difficult to make the switch back. Yeah. I think what gives me optimism with this offensive line is I, if, if Jonah is going to be the guy at right tackle, and I keep forgetting to mention Jackson Carmen's going to be in competition for this too. Um, but I want to see Alex Kappa and Jonah Williams next to each other. You know, yeah. what is that going to look like? Also for Cordell Volson, we could say the same thing. What's it going to look like having Orlando Brown next to him? You know, will that be helpful for those, for the interior and, and just Jonah Williams having that extra help from Alex Kappa? That's going to look a little different. I feel like since Jonah Williams has been with the Cincinnati Bengals and having just additional help on his side. So that kind of gives me a little optimism when I do think of the offensive line, but it's so crazy that I leave out Jackson Carmen because, you know, he's, he's full in on the competition. Zach Taylor's already said it, you know, it isn't Jonah Williams job just because he's making $12 million. Would they want it to work out because he's making $12 million? I'm sure, you know, you, you want this guy that you're giving this big chunk of change to, to work out for the position for at least one year, because he's going to be here for one more year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess the camp battle is going to be, be something to watch. I just don't expect Lyle Collins to to be participating for a while. Heck, throw Cody Ford into it. We talked about Akeem and Energy. Maybe Cody Ford is a career year. Maybe he's the one that can play right tackle. Who knows? It's it's all up in the air. Preseason is going to be cool, right? Like there is a a four person position battle at right tackle, and uh, I'm not sure how they're going to manage those snaps, but I assume it will be probably a lot of Jonah and Carmen as the favorites, and then sprinkled in there maybe forward and identity and whoever else we're just three months away from talking about should the starters play in preseason yes I, I, well some i i don't <laughs> play the offensive line in the preseason i agree i don't want that slow start that was a disaster start for them i mean i know there's a chance of injury but they just need the time together it's it's guys that haven't worked together volson and brown haven't worked together and mm -hmm. Kappa and whoever haven't worked together either. The only guys that have worked together are the interior. I just ugh, nightmares of what Alex Highsmith, TJ Watt, Micah Parsons did to this offensive line in the first couple of weeks. I mean, can, can the NFL, that's not funny, Nick, uh, Nick, our producer is a Steelers fan. He's laughing. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that was a nightmare. That was an absolute nightmare. I, I have the turnovers in my head of just how that day went when you, when the optimism was in the air, like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Are in town. it was like the third play where he threw the pick six to Minka Fitzpatrick third play. I thought it was like the very, no, like the first one. The, 
I think the very first play, Cordell Volson got blown up by Cam Hayward. I'm not 100% oh, sure. So Maybe bad. my recollection is a little bit off, but like I couldn't think of a worse first series to get the fans excited about the team that just went to the Super Bowl. I even want Burrow to play a, a series or something. Just he looked really rusty in that first game, right? I don't it's, know if I want Joe out there in preseason. That could have been the appendix. Who knows? Yeah. I'm just yeah, even if he's just I, handing, I, I agree. Even if I he's think just handing it off a bunch or you run very safe like RPOs, he's not gonna get hit. Just something just get him better start than where he was last year. I think a lot of people forget how great that 10 game win streak was because of how the beginning of the season went because the beginning of the season felt like it was 10 weeks long when you lose the game against the Steelers you lose to the Cowboys you lose the Baltimore Ravens game you lose the Browns game just like how the beginning of the season really started was like oh my goodness and then they were all good they were in sync the offensive line started to get gelling together and that's extremely important so don't worry in two and a half months, we'll have everything preseason for the offensive starters and what's that what that's going to look like. But training camp is right around the corner. Um, you know, hopefully we'll have some extensions to talk about. And I know you're going to have plenty on all Bengals. What is up there now? Uh, by the time you're listening, a DJ Turner article. And then hopefully before our next episode, I will have out uh, the Jordan Battle article. Although I really have to grind to get that one. I haven't watched too much Jordan battle. So I'm going to watch about five games over the weekend and write a report. Uh, DJ Turner ended up around nine games. And I was at like 10 for Murphy. It's going down with each guy. <laughs> I, have a, I have a good feeling that you'll be able to find plenty of Alabama tape. I, so. yes, I, I have ever, I have, I have this year full, the whole season that I have all of last year as well. So it was more so just picking and choosing which ones I want to watch because I don't have time to watch 20 something games. Yeah. When you told me after the, like two days after the draft we were recording, I was like, did you watch any Miles Murphy? You're like, yeah, I watched 10 games. Like how do you watch these games in that, that period of time? I was, on, I was on a flight. Well, I didn't watch 10 games. Okay. I watched three games before okay. uh, to get a general feel for them. And then I watched seven games after. And that was partially because you know, I was excited. So I watched a couple games right after the pick. And then I was on a flight. So I watched uh, games in the airport and on the plane because it was downloaded and need Wi-Fi. And then flying back, <laughs> same thing. And that's how I ended up with so many games watched. I think I had to watch like one more game when I finally got back from my flight. But that was essentially it was uh, flying did a lot for me because I had nothing else to do. I was just like, all right, well, we're just going to keep grinding here. Working hard. All the tape breakdowns are over on all Bengals. Make sure you check it out. Also, Twitter at Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. We'll be back next week on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.